What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Hello, friends. We have a very special guest returning to the Pivot Podcast today. But before we do that, I wanted to give a little extra context. You'll see the title of this episode is The Pondering Method for Rebels. What is a rebel, you ask? This comes from Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies book and framework. The subtitle of the book is The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better and Other People's Lives Better Too. She created the Four Tendencies quiz, and nearly 3 million people have taken this quiz. Can you even imagine? She says at the intro to the quiz, and I encourage you to take this if you haven't already, It's at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. The intro says, by asking the one simple question, how do I respond to expectations? We gain exciting insight into ourselves. And when we know how other people respond to expectations, we understand them far more effectively as well. We all face two kinds of expectations, outer expectations, such as meet work deadlines, answer a request from a friend and inner expectations, like keep a New Year's resolution, start meditating. Our response to expectations determines our tendency, that is, whether we fit into the category of upholder, questioner, obliger, or rebel. She then talks about how taking this quiz helps you make better decisions, meet deadlines, meet promises to yourself, suffer less stress, and engage more deeply with others, and, and also understand the other people in your life and not get frustrated with them because these tendencies are quite different. And they're, they're kind of funny to understand what they are when you really take the quiz and, and start to wrap your mind around it. And it can be also a, a nice shortcut when you're talking to people, just the same way that many people use their Myers-Briggs profile or their true colors color or their astrology, sun, moon, and rising. A little more on each of the four tendencies. The first one is upholder. Their tagline is, discipline is my freedom. These are people who are pretty self-sufficient, self-motivated. They set goals, they follow them. They kind of, in a way, keep to their own tasks that they set out for themselves. I would say I'm a combo of upholder and the next one, which is questioner. Their tagline is, I'll comply if you convince me why. This is something that I have too, for better or for worse. Questioners are willing to go along, but they're going to ask a lot of questions first. They're often naturally skeptical, and they're not just going to do something simply because you told them. They are going to investigate, listen to the rationale, and then make their own decision. So they're a little more, I would say, independent thinking and want to be convinced before they take action. The third tendency is obliger. Their mantra is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. Obligers often do best with a coach, a friend, an accountability buddy. They are sometimes called pleasers because they almost adhere more to what other people ask of them or the commitments that they make to others than the commitments they make to themselves. 
So sometimes obligers have trouble upholding their own goals, but if they commit to someone else, there's no wavering from it. So obligers do really well when they have someone to be accountable to. Then the fourth category, who this episode will particularly resonate with, is the rebel. The rebel's mantra is, you can't make me and neither can I. (laughs) So that's, I love this one because I married one and the rebel won't even listen to themselves. That's what's funny about the rebel, that as soon as a rule is set, as soon as there's a plan, all they want to do is break it. So you can imagine that it's tricky for rebels to set goals or plans or schedules or routines or systems and follow them because the very nature of someone telling them what to do, even themselves, makes them want to rebel and do something different. But of course, these are the most creative thinkers of our society because they just simply go the opposite way from everybody else a lot of the time. Again, if you haven't taken this quiz yet, go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com and I think you'll find it pretty illuminating. The subject of today's conversation isn't necessarily pandemic related, but you might find it helpful to notice which of the four tendencies you most relate to, and then use that to think about what kind of support you would most want during this time. If you're an upholder, you might want to create a project for yourself with maybe a one month deadline, and you take away at it every single day. If you're a questioner, Maybe you're taking some time to pause and question things that you had previously assumed as true or the must-haves of your way of life and working. If you're an obliger, maybe you're feeling a little adrift or confused or overwhelmed. Can you partner up with an accountability buddy to send each other a daily or weekly accountability check-in of what you're most excited to tackle and then being able to report success once you do? And if you're a rebel... I know you're being asked to follow a lot more rules right now than you might otherwise want to. Things like social distancing, washing your hands. But even beyond that, you have an opportunity to ask, what am I rebelling against? And is that serving me? And really figuring out how can you channel that rebellious creative energy towards something that moves you forward and improves your life and transforms you during this time? And then where are you rebelling where it's not serving you? Maybe dropping routines that really energize you and fulfill you. With that context, I'm so excited to jump in to this podcast short with our very special guest. Here we go. I am very excited to be here today with my beloved, my husband, Michael Carsuni, for a podcast short. I've asked Michael to come on to talk about his latest innovation, The Pondering Method. Michael, tell us a little bit about that. For those of you who, first of all, consider procrastination as a blessing, not a curse, there's a way to, to, to hack it even more. And instead of just sitting in that liminal space where, you know, your mind just goes places or where you might encounter uh, either anxiety, like, you know, latent anxiety or uh, where you feel that you have to channel this dormant frustration into action or, you know, cleaning the fridge or whatever activity uh, you do to just postpone the incoming doom of of working on something (laughs) that you want to work on. The pondering method is 
I think, pretty effective in uh, uh, gathering all of that uh, energy that that is there and giving it structure without frightening yourself. Because, I mean, God knows I'm terrified of structure, but I crave it at the same time. That's why you married me. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, I am... I am as uh, as taken by Jenny as I am terrified of her, and I guess this is how, this is why I love her so much. You know, there's the uh, there's the mystery of of what what goes on in in her mind, but at the same time, there's this uh, you know elation when I see her uh, create and uh, yeah and manifest her systems around love. Uh, so I digress. Going back to uh, what I was saying about the pondering method. It's just a question of sitting and allowing yourself to um, to think and trace your thoughts and answer your questions. And as you do that, document what is going on in your mind by uh, whatever means is at your disposal at that time and whatever you feel inclined to do so or whatever method you, you feel inclined to use at that moment in time. So it's not a question of preparing the space for documentation because that would be uh, counterproductive for procrastination because you can't you can't organize procrastination. So if you so happen to feel inclined to write uh, your answers, great. If you want to sketch them out, draw them, do visual research, whatever it is, do so. The point is, at the end of it, you're going to have a collection of, of thoughts, some, sometimes linear, sometimes not, that will give you uh, an idea of what's going on in, inside of you. And that is the pondering method. Um, sometimes it gets you to solve problems. Sometimes it gets you to flush out extra thoughts or ideas that you might not want to use. But at least you get it out of there and uh, you move forward. One thing that seems important to note about the pondering method is that it might look like you're, quote, not doing anything, right? If it you're, has to. It has to. Okay. <laughs> so if you're sitting there looking into space or looking into the distance or even feeling bad that you're not producing, in your case, let's say creating art right. or painting, the pondering method seems a counter to that. And one thing you didn't mention in the list of ways it could express itself that I'm curious about is you even brought up the notion of exercise. How does exercise coincide with the pondering method? So since I was talking about uh, the many media uh, through which you can document your, your pondering, you can ponder on your body and what it, ne what it needs. So let's say you really don't want to work out, right? It's like you hate yourself and although your body wants to, to move, there's something in you that's just not going to let it somehow. So what you can do is just, as Jenny would like to do, talk to it and, uh, and ponder on uh, what your body wants to do. So then you start a dialogue with your body and slowly but surely find out that, oh, uh, your chest wants to express itself today. So you ask it, you know, you ponder on, on what that might look like and slowly but surely uh, you'll get the answer through uh, movement, through, I don't know, push-ups uh, or uh, <laughs> yesterday I worked my chest uh, sitting on the couch by wrapping the bands around the, around the couch and doing and doing bench like seating bench presses 
incline bench presses, flies, and I had a great workout all by pondering what uh, what I should do. And actually, I made a great list of, of 20 to 30 movies that we are eventually going to watch and stacked, as Tim Ferriss would say, my actions so that uh, we don't waste time in, you know, sitting, uh, sifting through uh, all these uh, streaming apps trying to find what movie are we going to watch next, Jenny? I don't know. What about this one? What about that one? And then just waste hours and hours on end. We end up watching thumbnails scroll by and all the false starts. It's like the streaming malaise. It feels like there's everything available and nothing's on. I would consider you a rebel in Gretchen Rubin's personality types framework. Okay. There's four. There's the upholder, the questioner, the obliger, and the rebel. Uh-huh. I'd say you're a mix. Well, you really have a lot of the, all the qualities. Obliger in the sense that you sometimes do like to be accountable to another person, but a rebel for sure. So what happens when your inner rebel says, no, I don't even want to do the pondering method. I'm rebelling even against that. Well, I will. Ne- I would never decide to do the pondering method because as soon as you do, you're you know giving yourself a goal, and as soon as you do that, there's no way I'm gonna do it anyways. <laughs> there's that rebel. <laughs> well, well, so so if I if I happen to find myself pondering, I would go with the flow and see where it takes me, and if and if it stops, it it stops. You know, I I can't have any expectations around that process because as soon as I do, there's a system that that pops up, and there's no way that I could. Uh, do that to myself. <laughs> I'd be shooting myself in the foot, you know. Isn't it hilarious that yeah. systems bring me deep comfort and joy and ease? <laughs> I live for the system. Yesterday, somebody said they saw what I do with Text Expander, and they're like, the level of systems thinking in your brain is ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know? And then for you, you're allergic. As soon as there's a system or a plan, it's gone. You're gone. I, I, I like to, to feel my way through a system. You know, I'm, I'm very big on routines. That's true. You, you know that. That's true. Um, so it's, it's less about... Actually, systems are very important to me, but it's a question of creating the system to ingrain it as a habit so that I don't have to think about it. And as long as it doesn't get to my consciousness, I'm happy because I'm just doing it without will. I don't want will to to, to come into play. And I don't think we have will, actually. Uh, but that's a completely different talk. We'll talk about it later. Oh, good. <laughs> Way to lead into that one. There is no such thing as will. But th- that's okay. that's me. That's just my point. Is that part of your Jungian analysis? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> I look forward to the episode on There Is No Will. Michael, would you like to leave listeners with any parting words of comfort, wisdom, or an experiment as we close this Pivot podcast short? You know, I haven't meditated in a very long time. And uh, today is day two of, of picking up meditation again. And I must say, it's... And meditation is amazing. I always forget how great it makes me feel and how present it makes me feel and how important it is to be present. I mean, I'm very happy to have this recorded so that... When I forget, I can you can remind me of it, Jenny, or something. But uh, pick it up again, really. Even if you think that you're, you know, you're present, it's you're just listening to the gibberish that's coming out of your mind, and you know, <laughs> it might help with your pondering method. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it, it it's way better to just be present. So uh, I'm starting this experiment again. I'm gonna meditate twice a day. I'm building it up now. It's just I can't meditate more than than 30 minutes a day 
now, like on day two, and I'm going to build it up slowly but surely. But I definitely know that I'm craving it. So let us know uh, what happens with you if you end up picking it up. What a perfect paradoxical pairing for us to end on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> meditation combined with the pondering method, which is pretty much antithetical to meditation yeah. in a sense. Yeah. It's perfect. That's good. That's what we're all about here is balancing all sides of an equation. Mm-hmm. Michael, my love, thank you for being here oh, you're on welcome, the Pivot Podcast. I must say, I'm very proud of Jenny for the podcast uh, <laughs> that that she's that she's doing daily now, and uh, fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, no expectations, right, but right. Uh, but way to go, Jenny. Thank you, honey. I'm. I guess I'm pondering out loud. Happy to be here too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. Send in your feedback if you have it. Would love to hear what you think. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always 